Well, hello, and we welcome you to the World Travel Dad Show, where we help you travel intelligently with your family. With trip planning, money-saving tips, and funny stories, we are a resource for your next travel chapter. We are excited to have you here, and we hope our adventure helps you with yours. Tips, jokes, stories, and overall fun for your ears to enjoy. Now here's our host, World Travel Dad. Welcome in. You found the World Travel Dad Show. So excited this week to share with you the city of Venice, Italy. We just wrapped up our trip there. We spent four nights. And the locals say that you can live a lifetime in two nights in Venice. Actually, I made that one up. But we tested out that theory. And we sure packed a lot into our short trip. So can't wait to tell you about that. Of course, there are a lot of headlines as well in the news. And I'll recap our 30-day trip to Italy briefly. And, uh, of course, we'll have some bloopers. So glad you've uh, joined us. And let's get into the show. So I finally fixed my microphone. I think it was the sound levels were incorrect for the last three shows. And... I can't believe anyone's still listening, but thank you for sticking through that. The sound quality was terrible, and clearly this is an amateur podcast, because if I had someone operating the soundboard, they would have caught that mistake immediately, but here we are. First up, I try not to go too political, but we have to talk about the Donald Trump indictment last show. I was predicting that the whole thing would kind of blow over. Boy, was I wrong. I mean, it's really turned into quite the story now. Donald Trump, former president, of course, of the U.S., and I'm abroad, and so I'm always curious to see if it's even making news over here. Um, This show's going to be about Italy, but I'm currently in the Czech Republic, and I know that the local news here in the town that I'm in Uh, sent someone over to New York to cover the story. So that's all I need to see. I mean, if if a small town in the Czech Republic is covering it, I think it's it's pretty big news. Former president indicted on felony charges. Um, We like to cover politics at this show from both sides. We're not going to pick a side on this one. I'm sorry, I know that's not exciting. But here, here are the two sides. So I'll first give you the the left-wing side here, and that is that democracy has finally, uh, you know, given us the victory we've been looking for. We've finally shown that nobody's above the law, and, you know, that justice is blind, and doesn't matter if you're the former president, you know, it, it's going to catch up to you. So the only problem there is... I think that this prosecution is most likely politically charged. And so I think it's really the exact opposite of of blind justice because these types of um, campaign violations, they occur um, fairly regularly. I know that, um, that Hillary Clinton 
um, had a similar infraction that she was fined for, but she was not prosecuted. And by the way, these are misdemeanor crimes, and um, they're past the statute of limitations in the state of New York. And so the um, district attorney in uh, in in Manhattan, he um, astutely has tried to tie them in to felonies so he get get past the statute of limitations. And that involves some sort of murky argument that the that the uh, payments, the hush hush money payments, which by the way, it wasn't that much money. I mean, I think whoever was counseling these two women, McDougal and, and Stormy Daniels, I mean, it seemed like they could have gotten more money. You had a guy running for president and you could all you got was one thirty. Uh, I've seen I've seen worse cases than that get double that. So I kind of feel bad for them. I mean, they they really sold out cheap on that. And you know, I, I just I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, we know kind of who Donald Trump is. I mean, he's he, he's not only he's not only having an affair. Which look, I'm not the moral police over here, but. I mean, he, he kind of chooses um, it's kinda some questionable questionable choices. Um, but, I, I mean, we kind of see, you know, what he's all about. He's all about sort of bravado, power, in sort of a, kind of an immature, childlike fashion, really. And he just wanted to be able to say he, you know, hooked up with some, you know, playmates. I mean, that was kind of his thing. He's he's like a frat bro. So the right the right wing wingers will say, "Look, this is a flimsy case. You know, it doesn't need to happen. There's this unwritten rule, you, you know, all presidents make mistakes. You know, you don't indict them. It's kind of like this gentleman's agreement." I never really like unwritten rules. I mean, I think if if the guy committed felonies, I mean, he's they have 32 felony counts. Um, now, a lot of times, I think we talked about this last time, but these criminal indictments, um, I believe they, they have lesser included offenses. So um, the judge may throw out some of these. And I think you plead, you, you plead any offense that you have, even if it's a lesser included crime. Um, so I don't think there are 32 separate infractions. I mean, I think they're talking about these two hush payments and just trying to see what sticks in terms of what they can get. And I think it really is important for people to realize what, what, what's been proven so far. Okay. This is, um, a grand jury system. Not many countries use the grand jury. The United States still uses the grand jury for federal crimes. Uh, and not every state uses federal crime grand jury, but New York does. And so basically this is a randomly selected group of 12 to 23 citizens who go for a few weeks at a time. If it's a big case like this and they listen to testimony from the prosecutors, uh, witnesses. So prosecutor gets to basically do a one-sided show trial with all the witnesses he will be using or she, uh, and, uh, the jury must um, 
if it's a 12 person, I know that if it's a 12 person grand jury, the nine of the 12 have to vote to uh, press the charges. And so if it's 23 person, see, we don't even know it's shrouded in secrecy. We don't get to be inside of the grand jury. We don't know how many people were selected, but if there were 12 of them, then nine of them have to say there's enough evidence to move forward with the prosecution. Okay. That's the legal standard there. There's enough evidence. A couple of huge ducks just dove into this pond next to me. That's kind of cool. Um, anyway, there's enough evidence to bring forth forth the charges. Uh, it's a probable cause standard. So it's like the lowest legal standard you can get basically just over 50% uh, is the standard. And, and then, it, and, and even then it's not that he would be convicted. It's that the charges should be brought. So, what Cyrus Vance did, I think that's his name, um, is just, sorry, that was the last guy, Alvin Bragg. I think I told you last time, uh, I am licensed in the Southern District of New York, so I, uh, I kind of love being able to say that, even though I don't practice there. Anyway, I digress. But um, all he's really done is gotten over this very low bar. And so the right-wingers will tell you, um, it's a flimsy case. It's not going anywhere. And plus, it's a selective prosecution because Hillary Clinton kind of did the same thing. Uh, we now have learned that former presidents seem to have a lot of classified documents and they commit crimes in that manner. And also, again, these are misdemeanor crimes that Trump committed, allegedly, and the only reason they're becoming felonies is because they're tied into election law violations. Here's where I come down on, on this. I, I think it's problematic. Okay. I think that this is a, a more serious thing than perhaps if you listen to right wing radio or podcasts, like I sometimes do just to hear what's being said, just the, the way I, I try to listen to, you know, I read a lot of Wall Street Journal articles. That's kind of how I get the left left wing side. Not Wall Street Journal. No, they're Wall Street Journal's ultra conservative these days. Uh, I'm sorry, New York Times. New York Times. Um, I, I am a New York Times subscriber, and I read what they're saying. And, um, you know, I think I think the right wing side is missing the fact that this is fairly serious. If this is a question of law, whether or not they can, Alvin Bragg can turn these misdemeanors into felonies. It's a question of law. The judge is going to have to um, allow that. He's going to rule on that. Trump's already come out in public and said that the judge hates him. I don't What? Who in their right mind would do that? I mean, unless he's like this, you know, Jedi mind trick thing where he he subconsciously gets the judge to, you know, I always used to think if you kind of got into it with the judge a little bit, you know, judges love to be fair. Like my dad always used to say, that's a night. That's the best compliment you can ever give a judge that they're fair. I mean, that's the oath that they take the ultimate oath. And so perhaps the judge, you know, subconsciously will think, you know, everyone expects me to do one thing. Maybe I'll do the other. Maybe I'll do the, the ultra fair thing and, and just toss this case out. 
And so it might get tossed out at that uh, question of law phase on motions. I kind of think that would be the best result here. Um, I think it would leave the left wing, you know, the 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 ones that are out for blood here that can't see straight, that that can't wait to just get rid of Trump and get. They, they want him behind bars, and uh, you know, Trump derangement syndrome um, is at play, and and they can't see straight. But I'm sorry, but I think the best thing would be that this thing just got tossed out, and again, the ultimate end game here is that Trump's going to lose the general ele- election. I, he's going to have a similar fate that he, that he did last time. And so it's kind of, uh, just, you know, moot point, I guess. I don't know, maybe not, but, but let's say this thing does go to trial. You know, is Trump going to get a fair jury? You know, everyone hates the guy so much, um, in New York. Um, anyone that's still left there, presumably Democrats, cause all the Republicans, you know, fled to, uh, you know, Florida by now or Tennessee or one of those, you know, Southern states gets a little hot for my taste down there. Um, I don't know if I could, I could live in the South, all that humidity, but I, you know, whatever. It's, it's a nice place, but you know, potential jury pool in New York, it's, you know, tainted. Everyone's heard of Trump. Everyone has an opinion of him. So are you going to get a fair trial? My my take on that is I, I think he probably will. Um, I think my experience with juries um, is that they take their job seriously. And I think it's rare that you... I think once a, you know, a juror can say one thing before they're in panel, but once they get on that jury panel, they take it pretty seriously. And they're going to hear evidence that's fairly flimsy. And if you have to convict beyond a reasonable doubt on these felonies, I think it's going to be tough to do that because they have to prove that Donald Trump had a specific intent to protect himself during this election. Uh, and, and that was his specific um, intent. That's going to be hard to prove beyond a reasonable doubt. So I'll definitely keep uh, covering that. It's uh, It's legal. It's a legal story. And I did confirm that the middle of nowhere town in Czech Republic where I'm staying was very interested. They sent their, they sent their top guy over to uh, Manhattan. So it's an international story. In other news, uh, talking about the dollar again, the U.S. dollar, my baby, my poor baby. Um, the world appears to be de-dollarizing. You know, the U.S. is the world reserve currency based on an, a promise we made to Saudi Arabia in the 70s. We told them you know, you, you're required to take payment for oil in, in U.S. dollars. And if you do that, we'll basically just, we got your back, bro. Um, well, Saudi Arabia now has entered into an agreement with Iran, a quasi-peace deal that was brokered by China. The BRICS countries appear to be um, trying to formulate their own deals. And this thing does not look good. I don't have a good feeling about this. I think for whatever reason, I don't know. Look, I'm not I'm not here to just constantly criticize the Biden administration. I hate doing that. I'm really not a partisan person. I'm trying to be fair. I mean, I, I acknowledge that he did a good job in the Ukraine situation so far. But 
<clears throat> I just, I think that they're mishandling this whole BRICS thing. I think they need to reach out to some of these countries. And maybe they are. Maybe I'm naive. Um, I'm not in the State Department. I didn't go to an Ivy League school. Which, by the way, going back to Trump, he, he, he did go to an Ivy League school, which is so weird. Um, and the, But the people he's hired over the years, like the Michael Cohen, you know, the star witness, that guy just... I mean, he doesn't seem like the smartest tool in the shed. Uh, uh, it's kind of a mixed metaphor. Um, but in terms of, you know, he Trump has a hard time hiring. But um, when it comes to legal defense, that's different. The, his his lawyer is not does not work for him. You don't hire your lawyer. You 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 hire you you pay for services. So I think his lawyer seems pretty sharp. So I think he'll get a good defense. But anyway, going back to, to this dollar thing, I think the Biden administration is is just walking into this thing, um, this de-dollarization, where suddenly China, India, South Africa, you know, who would have thought those guys would end up on the bad guy team? But here we are, um, obviously Russia, you know, Brazil. Uh, even though they got rid of Bolsonaro, Brazil is on the bad guy team. So I don't like the looks of this. And the dollar back in the early 2000s on the DXY was down in at like 70. When I was on my trip here in France, it got up to like 115, and we were we were partying, dancing in the streets, and that was short lived. And I just don't like where things are heading. I'm very frustrated about it. And uh, like I said, you know, if you don't travel outside the U.S., maybe you don't even see what's going on. But um, if if the world reserve currency, if we lose that status as the U.S. dollar, that's really bad for us. We're going to have a huge drop in our standard of living. We're not going to be able to print these gigantic deficits. You know, our bond prices are going to go through the roof. I mean, sorry, they're, they're, the yields are going to go through the roof. The, the prices are going to collapse. We're not going to get as much money, basically. You know, we, we sell our bonds abroad. That's part of the way we finance our deficits. And those prices are going to plummet. And the yields are going to skyrocket. We're not going to be able to get as much bang for our buck selling bonds. That's not good for for Americans. And it's not good for people like me. that I just want to take my family abroad and like have some good food. See some castles. We'll be right back. I can't tell you how versatile the Wise Card has been for my travels. From paying for my kids' school tuition in Ubud to wiring the tour company payment for our snorkeling trip, the Wise Card has been there for me. Let me explain how it works. From the States or anywhere, you purchase foreign currency and keep it in your WISE account. It becomes your de facto foreign bank account. You purchase at the current exchange rate. If you think the dollar is at its peak in value, purchase a foreign currency, pay a very minimal fee, and voila, you have your short dollar position. Congratulations, you're now a foreign currency trader and you didn't have to open a bank account in Montenegro. And fellas, your wife wants to go to Italy. She's sick of the bowling alley as your idea of entertainment. Why not start by opening your WISE account today? 
if you use the link in the show notes, capitalized with at least $300 US, World Travel Dad gets a minuscule kickback that I promise to use on cheap beer. Take your wife to Italy. Let's get back to this thing I'm calling a show. We uh, ended our trip in Italy, 30 days. It was unbelievable. We flew a couple days ago from Venice to Vienna, Austria, which I'll get into that on the next show. That Vienna needs an entire show. It's an unbelievable city. Uh, but so is Venice. And today's show is all about Venice, Italy. And if this is a, if you haven't been to this city, I urge you to go to this city. Uh, I mean, I urge you to go now. I mean, is there a way you can just stop the podcast and just pack the pack the kids and the wife and the husband and just get out of it? just just go? It's unbelievable. You you don't know what it's like until you're there. I kept telling my family. I mean, I had been there twenty years ago for two nights. It was really it was surreal, and I just told them, you don't know what it's like till you're there. So just to recap, we we started our Italy adventure the very beginning of March. We had flown from Hanoi to Naples, Italy, on this uh, the stopover ticket, where on the same air ticket, you, you they drop you in, in Dubai for four nights. We stayed in an element on points there. And then after four days, um, by the way, I did a podcast on Dubai. Um, nobody listened to it. I, it was weird. I looked at the analytics on that. I thought more people were interested in Dubai, but maybe uh, check it out because it, it was kind of a cool city. Not totally my cup of tea, but we, uh, so we left, flew from there over to Naples. And Naples was, is a city that, you know, I was told for years, you, know, you, you can't handle Naples. Like Jack Nicholson style, like you do not, you cannot handle it. It's too crazy. There's too many motorinos. You know, there's too many Vespas. There's just too much for you. Don't go. And and we said, what are you talking about? Naples, you know, we're going. We're going, baby. And so we did, most people do like a night and then they're out of there. Then they're going to the Amalfi. We did four nights. I mean, that's kind of what we do. Um I'm very proud of my family on our trip. We we go a little bit against the grain, which you know I tend to go way against the grain, and that's not that's not great. But they kind of I rub off on them a little bit. I like to think, um, and they they kind of go to to the Naples. We did four nights. That's way above the average night count there, and I'm so glad we did. If you just do one night there, I don't think you get it. Um, you don't get the full Naples experience. It's got this great skyline. Um, you know, I, I talked about it in the in the prior episode. Um, and we went over to Sorrento. Did the eight nights there. Um, saw a bunch of the Amalfi Coast. Saw Pompeii, which is a dream of mine. I love Roman history. Then we uh, we went up to uh, Rome, and we did five, five nights in Rome. You could do a week in Rome, no problem. There, there's so much to see there. You could do that. Could be the only city you do in a, in an Italy trip, and I think you're fine. Um, I think that uh, I think Americans tend to 
feel like, you know, this is my only nine days in Italy. I got to pack everything in. I got to move every two days. Uh, I don't recommend that. I think you get a better experience if you stay somewhere for four or five days. You really, you know, if you, we like to say, you know, we, if we, if we get to know the, the, our favorite coffee shop and the people kind of know us and, you know, that's what it's all about for me. I enjoy that. Uh, my family enjoys it as well. My wife definitely, we've always felt that we, we've been traveling together for 20 years. So, um, and that's not possible. 17, 18 years, but we, we were traveling when we first met and, uh, we, we like to go to these places for, you know, a week, a week at a time. Rome was amazing. Then we went up to Cinque Terre. Um, I did the Cinque Terre podcast and I think that was the one where the audio was weird. Um, uh, but you know, there's enough information on Cinque Terre. You don't, you don't need me to tell you how good Cinque Terre is. It's one of the top three places in Italy. Um, we went over to Lake Como for three nights. I did a little bit of Instagram stuff on Lake Como. We were in Bellagio. That is a wonderful little town. And that, of course, is where George Clooney has a summer residence with his wife. And uh, I really wanted to see him, but I didn't. But that's fine. Um, you know, I'll live. It was, it was beautiful. Um, love it up there, up in uh, the Lombardy Lake District. Okay, then we get to Venice. So we then take a train over to Venice. And we... Um, we're there kind of an off season, which is a great idea. Um, you don't get the best weather, you know, in, in mid March. So it was a little bit chilly, but when the sun came out, it was perfect. And it was quite warm when the sun came out. We had a little apartment right on one of the canals, which, you know, I thought that would be, um, more expensive than it was. I think we paid about a hundred dollars a night for a, a two bedroom, you know, bilocale, they say in, in Italian. Um, uh, plenty of room, really nice little place, old, you know, really old, um, right in the, uh, San Polo, um, district, which, um, yeah, that's my favorite district. I didn't know that until this time. Um, but now it's my favorite district. I don't know if I spent much time there last time. It's kind of right in the center. If you look at Venice, it's like a, um, it's like a fish, um, and San Polo is kind of the heart of the fish. And the the kids had a good time. You know, I, I told them about that. And then they got interested in it. So they would look at the map. And uh, we'd talk about which fish, which part of the fish anatomy we were visiting, you know, any given day. Venice is um, a compact, um, larger city or I'm sorry larger town it's 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 a small city it doesn't have like a you know major downtown or anything but it's very compact and you can just spend a few hours just kind of walking around you know if, if that's what your kids like to do our kids don't like to walk quite as much so we had you know I, I planned a little bit more you know this time like uh you know we had a on Friday we went to the uh, uh, da Vinci Museum um, Leonardo da Vinci, that, that was a very good museum. It was, uh, fairly inexpensive. It was a 4.4 star rating. So you kind of can tell, you know, maybe it's not a blockbuster site per se, but 
I think for us it really worked out because if you have kids, you're trying to get them to um, to engage with with science. You're trying to spark something in in them, and uh, Da Vinci does that. You know, he has all these inventions. I mean, the guy did a little bit of everything. Um, he had these codices, these notebooks, thousands of pages of notebooks that he kept that have been uh, recovered, and they had reproductions of them. I think the the main ones are scattered throughout um, the major European museums, like the Victorian Albert in London. I think they have at least one of full codice um, or codex. That's called. I think um, we uh, we focused. I think there's one in Milan too, but these are reproductions at this museum, and we focused on the Atlantica Codex, where that's where Da Vinci de- designed these uh, machine, the machine gun. He 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 designed weapons of of war for uh, troops in battle, actually at one point, and also the um, the modern ball bearings. He he designed those. You know, if you're if you're into to wheels and 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 uh, vehicles and four-wheel vehicle axles you know he did a lot of design that is still used today in modern ball bearings he did the um archimedes screw it's a way it's a it's a clever way to remove water from like a pond or something they didn't have you know electric pumps or anything in the you know 1500s so he developed a screw and actually this is the the design that the dutch used to reclaim you know 6 miles of coastland from from shallow ocean they created these um dikes and uh in square um patterns and they would drain each one in succession using the Archimedes screw. So the kids thought that was very interesting. Um, the Madrid Codex talks about a lot of modern city planning. You know, he designed like kind of the modern city and how they would do the plumbing. And so he kind of did, oh, and, the, and and he was really big into anatomy. Um, we didn't quite get as much into that, but, you know, he, he helped uh, diagnose the first arteriosclerosis you know he he did a lot of um research on cadavers at one point and he he got really into that and i think modern medicine thanks him for for some of that and then that doesn't even get to the painting so um the guy did so much and it was a very fun museum um, another highlight for us are the shakettis these are like uh, venice's answer to the tapa the Spanish tapa. They're just, um, you'll see them if you watch a show about Venice. We got into the show called uh, Somebody Feed Phil. It's on Netflix. It's kind of a fun one for the family because it talks about traveling. This guy goes around and he just kind of eats. It's like an eating show. And we watched the Venice one and he he really got into the cachetti stuff. Um, Shichetti, I think. I, I always pronounce it wrong. But they're just little um, snacks. They're a little like tapas, and um, you kind of, you find your own favorite little bar. You have some, have some red wine, and um, they, my favorite is the, um, the cod, the bacalao. It's like a dried codfish. 
Here's the trick with this one. It smells terrible. It smells really bad. I thought I made a huge mistake when I ordered it the first time. But I said, let's give this thing a shot. Just, you know, my, uh, my son and I had purchased some dried cod when we were in Norway. And it just smells bad. Like, people don't like the smell, but the taste is pretty good. It's not bad. And uh, this this was my favorite cachetti. Um, it... Uh, it, it tastes so good, but it smells terrible. So fight through that smell. It pairs great with a rich kind of red wine um, from, you know, the Veneto or whatever whatever wine you can get your hands on. There's the the main ones we were doing were the Valpocellas. Um, we had uh, a Rosso, um, which is kind of the lowest level. You can also get the, um, the Valpocella... Um, uh, the repasso, which is where they take the skins and they, they dry them uh, in a traditional fashion to make the wine. That one's pretty good. It's a little more expensive. Top level is the Amarone. Um, I have actually, I don't think I've ever had one of those. I'm, I'm such a cheapskate, but, um, you know, you, you can, you go in one of these, uh, Shiketti bars, you can just get their, their little house red wine. It's, it's good enough. And so we, we picked our favorite out, and uh, people were really nice. We went, we went back there a bunch. You know, uh, my son was, like, waiting at the door when they'd open every day because he really loved the place. And that was really a positive positive thing for us, just kind of hopping around, doing that. Of course, do the St. Mark's Square. Do the gondola ride. I think the gondola ride for everyone was... Not as amazing as I guess people thought. I mean, I was opposed to even doing it, but then I realized I was being a Grinch. Like, you got to do a gondola while you're there. I had never done one. Um, but, you know, it's not going to change your life. But it was cool. You get a little bit of history. You get to see some of the, uh, the palazzo, palazzis, palazzos, um, these, pal- these old palaces that are, they're, they're, they're pretty amazing. And um, But again, this is a city... Just kind of walk around. Um, we oh, and we visited the Shiketti bar that that Phil did on the Somebody Feed Phil. It's called Bar um, Al Arco, and it's uh, you have to wait in line, which usually we would not do that. But I was very proud that we we stuck it out. It's kind of a cool little um, bar, like set back in the these alleyways. You know, Venice it does. Nobody does an alleyway like Venice. I mean, the canals are one thing, but just really cool alleys. And you could just kind of walk around and kind of get lost. And uh, we waited in line. And these uh, shakettis were, were terrific. They were great. Um, they weren't appreciably better than the local one that we were going to. Which, by the way, our, ours is called uh, Larchivio. It's in the San Polo district. And it's near the Ferrari Church, which is the largest church in Venice. Um, it costs five euros for an adult to go into the Ferrari. Um, I did one night because I'm a complete um, uh, church junkie. I love my basilicas. Um, I think I've kind of always been like that, but now like more than ever. Um, and this this thing was great. It did not disappoint. Kids were free. Uh, my son came in with me. Um, the girls went and did something else. They're not quite the Basilica fans that I am. That's fine. Um, 
but it's a it's a gigantic church. You know, even my son was impressed. And uh, that's pretty much it. You know, we went out to a couple of pretty good dinners. Um, you're not going to get totally ripped off in Venice. The first time I went there, that was not the case. You know, you, you were in danger of getting ripped off everywhere, it seemed like. And it seems like they, they clean their act up. Most of the restaurants are pretty good. They're all in the 4.5 range, 4.5 star on Google. And, uh, yeah, we just, you know, got some pizza. Um, what else did we eat? I mean, you would think that it would be a great seafood town, but I don't know. I mean, I, maybe it's not the season, but the shellfish weren't all that great. Um, uh, shrimp are pretty good. That's another shaketti, the shrimp one with, uh, uh marinated chipola. They're called these like onions. And, uh, that, that one was my second favorite. And then there's there's the meat ones with just the the cold cuts and, um, yeah, you know, good good enough restaurants, not terribly expensive, nothing really to report there. I mean, just do your homework, do your research on on Google. I think Google's kind of changed the game. You know, you don't there there's not many surprises. You can you can examine a menu, you know, with a fine tooth comb, you know, before you even go into the restaurants. You know what to expect. Uh, there's cannolis. Um, those are great. There's gelato. All the usual stuff for an Italian city. And um, we were very sad to leave, but looking back, it was terrific. 30, 30 days in Italy. I never thought that I'd you know, get that experience. Um, I can't wait to go back. There's so much that I want to see in the southern part of the country now. Um, and we didn't even touch, uh, you know, Florence and the, um, you know, the, the Tuscany area. Um, Italy is, is, uh, sure to please. It's a great place. I highly recommend it. Um, we are sad to leave on the, on the last day we had lugged all of our heavy bags about a mile from the train station when we first arrived. You, know, you can get a water taxi, but it's like, you know, 70 euros, something like that. And so... The final night, we, my wife and I decided, let's just take a cab, a ta- water taxi, all the way to the airport because we were flying to Vienna. And it's expensive. You know, it's 130 euros, which was crazy, way out of budget. Um, but we, we said, let's just do that because, it, you know, nobody's looking forward to this walk in the morning. We're going to have to get up at like 6, which is way earlier than we usually do. We all sleep till at least 7. So we did. We su- we surprised the kids in the morning, and we everyone got an extra hour of sleep, and uh, we spent a a boatload of money. No pun intended, but um, the the uh, water taxi came right to our place because our apartment was right on a canal, and that was pretty cool. That was cool. So we we were able to save some energy, and the boat takes it right over to the airport, and you you still have kind of a walk once you get into the airport, but. It was really cool and um, something to think about. I li- what we like to do, if we're going to splurge on transportation, well, you know, I like to, ar- when I arrive at a city and everyone's excited, I like to do the, the hard one that's cheap. You know, take the, the three buses, do the long walk, whatever. And then when you leave, you know, if you really want to, um, you can splurge on a taxi or something like that. You know, just a little, a little something we do.
This is World Travel Dad. Let's face it, when I'm on the road, I get ripped off a lot. And I'm constantly making a fool of myself. But I'd like to share those moments with you because maybe it'll help you avoid a similar fate. Or maybe you can just make fun of me. Choosing a Shaketi bar could be a very important decision. So there are a couple of things to look for when you're choosing one of these bars. Virtually all of these um, little cafes you'll see in Venice have their own Shaketi, and you can see them usually from the street. So the first thing you should do is a little recon, look in the glass, see what they look like, um, see if um, you know if there's a wide selection, if if uh, if it's early in the day and there aren't many out, that means they just don't make a lot of them, and I think that's a bad sign. You want you want high turnover. You want a place that that turns these things over constantly and constantly has to make them. Um, so um, if you see a lot of shaketi, that's a good sign. That means that they made a lot. They expect to have to go through them. When you walk inside the place, you know you can get a general general feel can't judge a book by its cover some of the kind of dingier looking places might be the best um Chiquetti, um bar el arco that we went to is kind of a tourist um draw now because of a show it was on on netflix you know it doesn't look like much um, it looks the same way it did you know 50 years ago so you can't really tell um uh, our favorite, um, our favorite Chiquetti place, our local one, looks uh, very modern. It um, played loud um, pop music, and it, it's not. I didn't expect much from it, but one clue you could tell um, is that they made them fresh right there. They had a a deli slicer behind the bar. That's a really good sign. That means they're slicing all the stuff fresh. Um, we could tell that the two gentlemen that were working that night were. Um, they were eating their own chiquettis, and that's obviously a good sign. You know, they were, um, uh, I guess, uh, testing them out. You know, someone's got to do it, and uh, so that was a, that was a really good sign. Sure enough, they they made really fresh, good uh, chiquetti. If you go inside somewhere and there's any um, cellophane or plastic wrap covering the chiquetti, I mean, that's not a good sign at all. That means they're from the previous day and you, you don't want to eat a day old one um i made that mistake one morning because we had just gotten there i didn't know what was going on i didn't know how to look for these clues read the tea leaves and you know i got burned on that transaction uh pricing um usually the seafood shiketi should not be any more than 250 and the meat should be around two euros uh, anything above that, you know, it's not worth it. We went to one of the best places in town. It was two fifty for the for the seafood, so doesn't need to be more than that. You're getting ripped off if it is. That's pretty much it. Those are the clues to look for, and there's a lot of trial and error involved. So it's best to uh, uh, if you get to a place you haven't been before, maybe try one or two. Don't order six, and uh, you know you can always come back and get more pretty easily if they're great. And do a, do a shaketi crawl. Do do several of them. Um, our local one we found pr- fairly quickly, and we just we could tell that we had something special. So we didn't have to look around much after that. But it helps to um, to to look around and 
Uh, again, it's a trial and error process, but it's a great part of Venice. Uh, so good luck uh, finding Chiquetti. Thank you for listening to this show. I am constantly trying to improve through the process of iteration. Your time is valuable, and I appreciate you spending it here. We are now available on Google, Apple, and Spotify. Wherever you are listening, please take a moment to leave a five-star review and hit subscribe. And I promise to do whatever I can to send you good vibes.